episode of Product Thinking. I am Kyle Evans, and this week and this month, we are taking a look at the book Creative Selection, Inside Apple's Design Process During the Golden Age of Steve Jobs by Ken Cosienda. So you can probably tell by some of my previous articles and posts that I have long been intrigued by the culture's of different organizations and how they work, how they do what they do. Uh, You know, I've written a couple times about Amazon's product culture. You know, I've had the opportunity to work for several Amazon executives. So I'm familiar with the culture uh, of Amazon and the books written about it really jive with my experience. But I've never worked at Apple or for any former Apple executives. So I hoped that creative selection uh, would give an idea of how the product process works or worked at Apple, especially since they create some of the best products and experiences that exist. In some ways, creative selection pulls back the curtain on Apple's process. In others, for me, it falls short. As a, as a product manager. But let's dive in. So as an overview, Ken Cosienda was a principal software engineer at Apple working on software such as Safari, even before it was named Safari, so bringing a browser to, to Apple and to Mac OS, and the iPhone and iPad keyboards. So he highlights some of the key design and engineering principles that Apple espoused during his 15 years, though they never explicitly named them, such as inspiration, collaboration, craft, taste, and empathy. These permeated the products that they built and were really the foundation of everything that they did and all of the things that they were doing. He also describes how heavily they relied on demos or demoing their products regularly. Demos ran up the chain starting with teams and getting feedback there, then moving to managers and leaders, and then eventually going up to Steve Jobs, who gave his feedback and eventually his support or his changes. And if you're familiar with the way that uh, Steve Jobs worked through uh, some of the books that have been written about him, you can imagine how some of those demos probably went, uh, which would probably be an exciting thing to be a part of. All right, so... Some of the key insights uh, from uh, creative selection. So this book has some great stories and insights. Uh, In chapter five, it talks about Apple's use of DRIs or directly responsible individuals. These are people who are on the line for a product or feature and have responsibility for it. Uh, Cosienda talks about signing up for being a DRI. You could take on the responsibility or not, but once you did, Apple expected you to deliver. Uh, This is similar to Amazon's principle of having a single-threaded focus, uh, in my opinion. Leaders need to be responsible for a single area if they're going to be successful, and projects or products need to have a single point of contact if they're going to succeed. A product simply can't be successful if no one owns it if there's not a single person owning it. Uh, In a similar vein, uh, Cosienda 
shares the story of Safari and the single measure of success. So in chapter four, he talks about the page load test for the browser and how everything they did was measured against the speed of the browser. Speed was the single measure for success as defined by Steve Jobs and by the team. So they created Safari and every improvement and addition had to make the browser faster. If it didn't, they had to find speed improvements in some other way. So even if they were adding security enhancements or other features or enhancements to the browser, they always tested it against the page load test. And even if there were necessary enhancements that they were making, they had to make sure at the very least they didn't slow the browser down. So again, having a single focus or a single measure of success is critical. In the case of Safari, creating a fast browser, it was clear what the outcome needed to be, a fast browser. Uh, Browsers at the time, namely Internet Explorer, were slow. So Apple's browser needed to be much faster. Um, There is a quote in there as well. Design is how it works from Steve Jobs. Uh, And so this is kind of one of the final takeaways among many. So the obsession with how it works and simplifying. So Kosienda shares the story of taking out multiple keyboard selections in the iPad because having more than one was unnecessary. There was certainly room for options, but Steve Jobs knew that having options added layers of complexity and making it simple and intuitive What was what Apple was all about. So it was about more than just how it looked. The design was how it works. So those were some of the key insights for me. Uh, Now, I guess for some of the shortcomings, while creative selection has some really interesting stories from behind the scenes at Apple, uh, it falls short for me in a few ways as a product person. First, I was expecting a higher level view of product at Apple. This is a book about a single engineer creating features within products. There's the browser within the OS and the keyboard within the iPhone and the iPad. Those are critical things and interesting in their own rights, uh, but don't give a good look at the overarching product strategy for the Mac or the iPhone or the iPad at the time. As a product person, I was really hoping to see every how everything came together from the design to the technology to the business to create a few of the products. Uh, or at least how some of these things interacted with other pieces from other areas uh, to get at least in some way a mid-level view. You know, in the Steve Jobs era, we're familiar, or at least most of us are familiar with how things were at the top. So I was hoping to understand more of a product level view, but this is a very in the weeds level view of some of the features. Uh, If that's what you expect, you probably won't be disappointed, but it won't give you an idea of how things fit together more broadly. Additionally, there isn't much additional perspective. It stays strictly within the area of the author. It would have been interesting to compare and contrast how they were working compared to some of the other engineering teams throughout Apple. 
Were they all the same? Were they different? How was engineering working together with some of the design groups or other product groups? Uh, again, going back to kind of that idea of how did some of this come together? Uh, maybe the author wasn't privy to such information, but getting additional perspective into the narrative would have been interesting, along with that higher level view of the product strategy. So creative selection had some interesting stories from Apple, especially around creating Safari and the iPad keyboard. Uh, while I didn't offer as much insight as I was hoping for around broader product strategy and product development at Apple, it did pull back the curtain a little regarding some of the development of the features that made the iconic products that we know and that many of us love. So I thought that was interesting. So if that is what you are looking for in a book, uh, you can check out the link in the show notes uh, and uh, go, go pick that one up. Also check out the article at productthinking.cc where you can uh, read more about this. Also have a couple other articles linked uh, in this week's newsletter. An article about why it doesn't effing matter. So we'll keep it PG uh, for, for this podcast for the moment. But I'll quote from that. In hindsight, the name meant nothing. The logo meant nothing. The design meant nothing. It grew, meaning the business and the product, because it was a great product and customers raved about it. No business ever failed to take off because they used Quit QuickBooks instead of Zero, or they chose the wrong free CRM or because they chose logo A instead of logo B. The reason your business is not taking off is because your product is not good enough period. So interesting article about focusing on the big things instead of the small things. It's easy to get caught up in a product or business uh, in some of the small things. And not to say that you know, some of those small things aren't important or don't add up to some of the bigger things, but getting the big things right make a much, much bigger difference you got to have a good product and then fine tune it as opposed to have something that people don't care about and you know get lost in the details of the logo and that sort of stuff. So uh, check out that article. Uh, and then a series of articles here, how ableist federal laws allow discrimination against the disabled community. If you personally know anyone with a disability, you know how challenging it can be. Uh, and our laws, our technology, our work environments don't make it any easier. Uh, in fact, we often make it so complicated and difficult that it amazes me how anyone can navigate complexity. Uh, so this link in this series of articles uh, addresses that topic. As a product person, I'm always thinking about how to create products and experiences that are inclusive. And that includes uh, for those who have uh, different abilities. But we need to go beyond that as a society and do significantly better. We are disadvantaging far too many people and don't think about it nearly enough, uh, especially in our laws and some of the experiences that we have. So check that out. 
good thing to keep top of mind because uh, it is incredibly, incredibly difficult, uh, especially if you know somebody personally that has any sort of disability. What, yeah, what we, what we do, um, and the the laws around it are uh, pretty terrible, frankly. Uh, so check that out. Um, that is this week's newsletter and book review. So uh, if you want to subscribe, don't forget to head over to productthinking.cc. Newsletter is free or you can upgrade to the paid version. Uh, If you want to just leave a tip, there is a link for that in the show notes. And you can follow me on social media at Kyle Larry Evans. And I will see you next time.